All right. Praise the Lord. We thank God for his goodness. We thank him for his mercy. God is good all the time. Um, we are just um, in awe at uh, the mercy and grace, the, the, the tenderness, really, that God shows toward us. Um, God is always doing things for us. We're not always aware of it. We're not always paying attention to it. I do think that sometimes we, we, um, there's a fleeting thought. It, it runs across our mind really quickly sometimes. Um, but, um, but, it, but in those cases, I don't think that um, um, we often pause long enough to really lock in on that, uh, that fleeting thought and to really consider um, putting more time and effort into it, really consider the weight and the gravity, the depth of God's mercy, his grace, his love, his tenderness toward us, the things that he does for us. You know, family, God simply doesn't have to do it. And we ought to find ourselves humbled and grateful at all times for what God does. Now, we are back in our scripture. Um, we're back. Um, we're picking up the third lesson um, in our um, series. We're with um, second chances and uh, fresh, fresh starts and second chances, depending on um, how you want to look at it. We're dealing with all of those. We've had two lessons before, and God has been extremely good to us and gracious to us in that. Now, our text reading um, is found in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. Uh, we will begin to read that. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. May the Lord have a blessing as always to those that he read and hear and do his word. We said it before, we'll keep saying it. The blessing is in the obedience. When it comes to God's word, if you want to be blessed, you, ma'am, you, sir, must start obeying the word of God. It doesn't matter what country you live in. It doesn't matter what city you live in. It doesn't matter who's around you. Um, some situations make it more challenging than others. I will concede that. But regardless of challenge or difficulty um, of the situation, you and I are always on the hook. We always have the responsibility to obey the word of God. I We cannot stress it more. If you want to be blessed, if you want to, to, to not just read what God does and can do for people, but you want to experience some of those other things that God does for you. Now, there's some things you already experience on a certain, on a certain level. Okay. The Bible, the Bible teaches the rain, you know, falls on the just as well as the unjust. Okay. So there are certain level things that you get, but I am talking about if you want to be able to see those blessings come to fruition in your life, um, um, that, um, th that are outside the everyday blessings that God gives us, you're going to have to be obedient. Okay. If you want to see the blessings that, that fall outside the realm of what God gives to everyone in general on the day to day. Okay. Cause those are two different types of blessings. Okay. If you want to see beyond that, what he does for Norton, for, for everybody on a general level, you're going to have to be obedient. There's no way to, to circumvent that. No way to get around that. Amen. We are in our third lesson here. Um, this is a topic in our Bible matters, uh, series 
We all, uh, hopefully, if you've been paying attention to these or listening to these, you know that these are um, these are our lessons that are outside a um, the confines of a traditional uh, main series, like we did one in uh, Psalms 27, where we did the entire chapter. Um, these are the ones that God gives us just on the fly, one off, what whatever God is, what you know. It's not this long, um, deep. Um, um, examination of, of, a, of a text. It's what God gives in the moment. So this is the third lesson, and this will probably be the one where we wrap it up, where we talk about Second um, Chronicles um, 7 and 14. And as I said before, we're not really dealing with verse 14 in the traditional sense. Most people, when they tackle this, this text, they usually go Second um, um, Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, they deal with all that. But as I told you before, our um, text really, the one that we're really looking for here, um, really begins in um, really begins in verse number 12. It's really 12 that we're locking in, um, that we are locking in on brothers and sisters, okay? Um, which uh, really, which tells us uh, wherefore in um, in Second Chronicles 7 um, and 12, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an sacrifice for a house of sacrifice this was the answer okay to a prayer and when we last left off about two weeks ago um is when we did um lesson number two um when we last left off there we left off um just before getting into the content of what Solomon prayed for, amen. Now we said that a fresh start represents, if we define that is a complete change in our way uh, of life or the way that you do things, especially after you have previously been unsuccessful. That would be a definition for that. And then we said um, a uh, the phrase, a second start, or excuse me, a second chance would be defined as an opportunity to try something again after failing one time, amen. And so what we really talked about really was, was that how at the end of the day, what you're really getting into is um, is that you're getting into mercy and forgiveness. It's really what we're talking about here when we talk about fresh starts um, and we're talking about second chances, okay? Um, you know, um, we also learned that, yeah, God's not okay with sin, okay? He's not okay with the sin of mankind. That's not something he's going to start being okay with. God is not okay with it. He will never be okay with it. We, But we did say, how, nevertheless, it is not God's desire that mankind be destroyed. And we use the scripture um, to support that in Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9, which says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. We said that knowing this, understanding this, is something that ought to humble you. It's a very humbling thought, or should be a very humbling thought. I know it is to me, when I consider the fact that God, what he does, he doesn't have to do it. And I, I know we talked about that a little bit early before we just started, but I want to say it again, what God does for you, never start acting or thinking like God somehow owes you anything, that the things that you have, that somehow God was on the hook for doing that. No, no, God has done it because he loves you. It's, he's, he's, it's because he wants to. It's not because you earned it or because I earned it. On my best day, I'm not good enough. And it's the same for you. I know sometimes we like to think and entertain the idea that we're really doing it. But the truth to the matter is we're really not. We really are not getting it done. On a daily basis, God is rescuing us. You you have you gotta. You, I want to try to put this in perspective. Even if you are not physically doing something wrong, 
you may not be physically naturally engaged in something wrong. But let me ask you this. How often do you think a bad thought? How often does something bad come across your mind? Even if you turn the page really quickly, even if you find yourself really quickly, almost instantaneous, as soon as the thought comes in, no sooner than it comes in, you are, you are, you are throwing it out. Even if it's a split second, that the most that you are doing is thinking the wrong thing. That alone is sin. That alone, if you add all those times up that you do that, that I do that, you honestly, you don't realize, I don't always realize just how much foolishness, you know, split seconds add up. And if you add up all the split seconds from the time that you were a child up to this point, listen, you have put some time in just in negative thinking. This doesn't even have anything to do with the things, those negative uh, thoughts that you acted upon that manifested in the natural. In other words, the things that you that you that you took the next step and you actually did that thing many just on that alone. You and I are disqualified, yet it's not God's desire, even though we deserve it, because that's why I'm, why I'm saying this. On those grounds alone, we deserve destruction. We deserve to not make it to heaven. That is just the truth. You and I, listen, we are not good enough. But we serve a God, and if you don't, you can serve a God. His name is Jesus. that has decided to take you as you are, provided. You repent of your sins and you allow him to change you. And we'll get a little bit further into that, um, especially into the concept of repentance a little bit later. But these are the things that we that we talked about. We talked about wisdom coming in two varieties. Um, it's either from above or from below. We looked at James chapter three, verses 13 through 17 to learn about those different types of wisdom. Amen. Uh, amen. We also talked about the concept of praying amiss. Amen. We talked about, and we asked, uh, we were challenged with the question, are we praying amiss? And we learned that praying amiss doesn't mean that you're praying necessarily for the wrong thing. No, when you break that word down, what it actually means is, is that you're praying from the wrong heart or with the wrong motive. You're praying wrong. That's what it is. It's not necessary that what you're praying for is wrong. It's why you're praying for it is that's wrong. It's the motive and the heart that you are coming out of. This God is concerned about the content of your heart. And, and you're not gonna get that, you're not gonna get that over on God. Now, when you're talking to me or you're dealing with somebody else, you can probably smooth it over and you can do a lot and I can do a lot to really kind of fake the way and mask the way that I'm actually feeling down on the inside. But that's not so with God. You can't fake and mask or and conceal a thing good enough or so tightly that God Almighty is unable to actually see what's really going on. Listen, you you might God knows when you're just begrudgingly going through the motions. God knows when you when when you have to be drugged through the mud in order to do what you should be doing in the first place and what you you should be doing willingly. God knows when what I'm doing is not what I, though it's what I should do, I don't want to do it. And he knows why I don't want to do it. Listen, he knows when it's because I'm being lazy. He knows when it's because I'm jealous. He knows when it's because I'm frustrated. He knows all of these different things. There are many different reasons that come up as to why we don't want to do what we are supposed to do. And I want to tell you in case you're trying to get this over on God, and I want to help you not waste time. You're not getting over on God. He knows your heart. Your life is an open book to him. And every time you do something, brothers and sisters, he's reading the chapter. He's reading it. 
extra, extra, read all about it. And he's reading it. He's reading it. He is reading what you write with the life that he's given you. With the life that he's given me, he's reading what I'm writing. Amen. You're not going to get away with it. You want prayers answered. You want to see God move. You're going to have to get your heart right. I've got to get my heart right. Especially in those times where they're not right. Now, here's the thing. God loves you so much that he doesn't throw the book at you just because your heart and your mind is not right. If you come to him in repentance and you let him help you get rid of all that stuff. When God provided this salvation, he didn't do so with rose-colored glasses on his eyes. No, he knew that you and I still are in this body of flesh which means that we still have the influence of a sinful nature. We've been forgiven of our sins. If you have, if you've done what the Bible said, now, if you just bowed your head and confessed with your, with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and that's all you did or whatever else it is. Let me just, let me stop you right there. You are not saved according to the Bible. No, you are not. Salvation, no, is not just, is not, doesn't come down to mental ascent. You just agree and you believe, no. All you have to do is read Acts chapter two, start at verse 36 and keep right on. And you're going to see some things. You're going to see some repentance taking place. You're going to see some baptizing taking place. And you're going to see folks being filled with the Holy Ghost. And when they got that Holy Ghost, none of them wondered about it. Nobody was like, oh, well, I think I got the Holy Ghost. Nobody got up there and said, you know what? Um, do you, can you, can you tell me, um, am I, am I saved now? No, no, you didn't see any of that. The Bible says that they spoke in other tongues as the spirit of God gave utterance. It's a gift. God completes the process with a gift. When you go through the process of salvation, God ends the process by giving you a gift. You get a reward. You get a gift at the end. The reward is probably a, a, a bad way of putting it, but a gift is, is a better way of putting that. God gives you a gift. Salvation ends, the salvation process ends with a gift. And I want to tell you something. I want, it is a recognizable gift. It is an obvious gift. It is a wonderful gift. It is a unique gift, but it is a gift that he gives to all his children. Speaking of tongues, does it make you safe? No, that's not what it's for. It's a prayer language. If you just bottom line and get down to it, that's what it is. However, it is a gift that he gives to you. Amen. It is the initial gift that accompanies your salvation. It's how you know the process is complete. That's how you know. That's how you know. And it's a gift and it comes from our, from our heavenly father and no one can teach you how to do it. You got to get it from him and what he's given to one, he'll give to the other. The book of Luke's, Luke makes it very plain that he, the father won't withhold that gift. If you ask for it, he just, he makes that very, very, very plain. It's, it's there. It, 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 it's, it's there. It's, it's an identifier. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my Christ. Are, my disciples, if you have love one to another, but then he also goes further because you get some people want to say, oh, well, it's just love. No, it ain't just love. It's not that he said these, he also goes and he goes further and tells us in other scripture, these signs shall follow them that believe. And then he lists them all out. Amen. And lists these things out. And guess what you find in there? Oh, they shall speak in other tongues. Listen, don't let nobody put you, when God when you go through the process, the way the Bible has it outlined, it ends with a gift. That's just what it is. That's just what it is. 
That's non-negotiable. That doesn't, it doesn't matter if any, if you agree or don't, it's what the word says. We must follow the word. So for those of you who are, who, you know, listen, you got to be water baptized in the name of Jesus. That's how they did it. That's the way you got to do it. Amen. You're going to have to, that repentance have to take place. You, you're not, you ain't even getting in square one without that. Amen. Amen. And then God, guess what? When it's all said and done at a time of his choosing, guess what's going to happen? He's going to give you that gift. You just open up your mouth, just begin to praise and worship God. If you don't know what to say, start with just saying hallelujah. That's the highest word of praise. And just keep praising God with everything you got. Once you have been water baptized, listen, in the name of Jesus Christ, your list, God has chosen to forgive you. He has chosen to drop the charges against you at that moment. If that don't make you happy, I don't know what. In that moment, just lift up your hands. I don't care if you're still sitting in the baptismal pool. Lift up your hands, begin to praise and worship God, and open up your mouth and begin to just say the word hallelujah. That is the highest word of prayer. And you keep going and giving God. And you know what? And when he wants to, I'm telling you, guess what's going to happen? That hallelujah going to it's going to transform. And for some people, they won't even be hollow. You'll be just praising God, saying what comes to your mind. And then all of a sudden, but once you start praising and worshiping God and thanking him, all of a sudden, he's just going, that gift going to pour out. And those words, <laughs> you ain't going to be able to keep it together. And it's going to come flooding out like rivers of living water. I'm telling you what it is. I'm just telling you, it's a good thing. It's a very good thing. I know that's a bit off of our topic, but you know, the Lord put that on my heart. I think someone who will listen to this needs to hear that. Amen. Amen. Nevertheless, um, nevertheless, um, as we move on, um, we learned about praying amiss, and we also um, learned that the Holy Ghost helps us when we pray, and that's Romans 8 and 26 um, for us. We also learned um, that sin has consequences. Amen it it does sin has consequences we gave you three scriptures we gave you daniel uh 9 11 that's 9 1 1 amen amen because it's an emergency it is absolutely an emergency sin has consequences and you can read about that in daniel 9 11 you can read about that in jeremiah 5 25 and you can read about it again in romans 6 and 23 Please familiarize yourself with those scriptures because you need to under, you need a good understanding of those things. Because when you understand, amen, when you understand that it will, it'll, it'll, it'll change how you operate with God. It'll begin to influence it in a positive way when you have an understanding that guess what? No. You cannot just do anything that you want to do and still get everything that you want from God. It is not going to happen. God is not some kind of genie in a bottle. You rub the lamp and he pops out with a bag of goodies and all. No. Nor is God fictitious or made up. God is not imaginary. God is real. You need to understand something. God is real whether you choose to believe in him or not. And I, I, I can't stress that enough, whether you choose to believe in God or not, that don't, God's existence is not based on man's devotion. See, that's, that's, that's Hollywood. That is Hollywood trash. That is world philosophical trash. That wants you to think that God is a figment of mankind's imagination and that the strength of God is based on the belief of people. Do not be deceived of the devil and be ridiculous. God is God all by himself. He was God before you got here. He is God while you are here and he gonna be God after you gone. My goodness, God is God all by himself. Oh, and he's alive and well. Whether you want something to do with him or not, God is real. God's existence is not based on man's participation. 
but rather man's existence is based on God's participation. God had to decide this thing. God had to implement this thing. God had to form the dust out of the earth and breathe in the nostrils life. Yeah, no, that's the trick of the devil that wants you to think that God exists because man made him up. No, 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 no. Man exists because God made him up. God made you after his own image and in his likeness, glory to God. Oh, we can go into that all day and all night and then some with that. God going to be God with or without you. Somebody need to figure some things out because the devil has got you overestimating your importance in the larger scheme of things. God wants you to be in heaven with him. God wants to bless you. God wants you, wants to have fellowship with you. But God ain't finna lose no sleep over you. God's not going to drag somebody to heaven that don't want to go. It, look, if you don't want to go and listen, <laughs> look, if the world got you convinced that it's a party, gonna be, it's going it's to be a party in hell and it's going to be all this, that listen, you can go to hell if you want to. God is not going to stop you. You want to go? Go on ahead and go. You want to do it your way? You want to deny him? You want to have nothing to do with him? You want to have your party? You want to have things your way? You don't want to yield to him? Fine. Go ahead and do that. We, listen, do where everything that that Bible tells you not to do, you are free to go ahead and do it on your own. If that's what you want to do, then you go ahead and do what you do. But God is going to do what he does on that great day. So just keep that in mind. That's fine. You don't want to believe in God. That's cool. That's all right. You going to believe in him. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, beloved. You want to go around talking about and living in it. Well, I don't know if there's a God or not. You can stay clueless if you want to. When God has made all the signs available, he's given you the rocks and the trees, and he's given you the rivers and the oceans. Heavens declare the glory of God. Nature announces the existence of God. That task was assigned to nature. The Bible doesn't even go through the motion of almost trying to convince people that God is real. Do you realize that? That the Bible does not attempt to convince anyone that God is real. The word of God is written from the perspective that you're supposed to know better. He gave you nature to help you figure it out. But Romans tells us what happened in chapter one. For when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. But worship the creation rather than the creator. You don't want to serve God? Be honest about it. Get rid of that nonsense about there ain't no God and you can't tell. He's, you know you can't make dirt. You can't make no trees. You can't do none of that. You can take science all that you want. And if you keep asking the question why or where it came from, science going to run out of answers. And you are going to be stuck with the reality that there must be a God. And there he is. There he is. There he is. You want to operate like there's no God? That is, going, that is a choice. You can say all day long that I just didn't know I wasn't sure. But on that great day, on judgment day, well, you're going to see how far that fly. Yeah, you're going to see how far that fly. Listen, 
don't wait don't don't waste your time with all of that surrender to the lord now uh listen he already knew he knows your faults and he knows your your failures and your frailties he knows all of that and he's chosen you in spite of it all he knows that he also knows that you got your sinful nature due to no fault of your own but the choices of sin that you actively get, engage in those are your choice and you're not and they're inexcusable Sin can only be dealt in one of two ways. It must either be paid for in full or it must be remitted, or which means to be forgiven. There's only two ways. Now, you don't have enough to pay for it and come out on the other side. If you pay for it, it's going to, listen, to pay for it, it requires a life. That's just what it is, your own life. You want to pay for your sins. It requires your own life. But God said, that's not a price I want you to pay. So what did he do? He paid it for you. God didn't want you to pay that price with your own life. See, <laughs> God knows your frame and he's made provisions to help you out because he knows your frame. He knows there are things that you can't do. If God were to let you pay for your sins, yes, it would pay for them, but you didn't have, you wouldn't have anything. All you would have is just enough to pay for them. And because you were actually guilty of those actual sins, you paying for your sins would result in the sins being paid for. But you would have to have given up your life for that. That means there's nothing after that. To pay for it is, would be the end of the road for you. Well, that doesn't work for God because God created you for fellowship. He didn't want that to be the end for you. you but, but you didn't have the power in and of yourself to get back up after you paid for it. Once you paid for your sin, you didn't have no, you couldn't get back up. Dead is dead. But the strength of the grave What gives it its power to hold is the presence of sin. It's because you're guilty that death has a right to claim you. But if you bring in Jesus Christ, who's God Almighty, he create, listen. <laughs> God created a body, gave that body a name, Jesus. That body was sinless. He took that body, God got him that body, and then took that body to an old rugged cross. He paid for the sins on your, yours and my behalf, but he himself had no sin. The importance of that is, is this. An innocent man died on behalf of the guilty, but because the man who died was innocent, the grave didn't have a right to keep him. The right of the grave to keep you is sin. In other words, guilt. But Jesus was not guilty. That's why he had the power to lay down his life and as the word said, and to take it up again, and to take it up, that's what he did. See, the grave didn't have a right to keep Jesus. Because the way the grave was designed, the right was based on sin. The power of it was based on sin. Its strength came from sin. If someone had died and they were a sinner, then the grave has a right to keep you. But with Jesus, he was the only exception. He died without sin. Thus, the grave had no right to keep him. So he could get up on 
third, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. I hope you see it. I hope you see it. I know that's a little bit off topic, but yet it's all on topic at the same time. I told you, God just leading, and that's what these lessons are for. That's what these lessons are for. I'm talking about second chances and fresh starts. And really what we're talking about is how you have the right to a second chance and a fresh start. You got it because Jesus rose on the third day with all power of heaven and earth in his head. The grave couldn't keep him. Death could not keep him. And because he could not keep him when he rose, he had the right to give eternal life to whoever he wants. And so he laid down a criteria. What's the criteria? You got to repent of your sins. You got to be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You got to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. And then he gave you a right, a way to know if when he's completed his part of that, you shall speak with other tongues as the spirit of God gives utterance. That's, that's what it is. Brother Walker, what about the scripture talking about do all speak with tongues? Do all that scripture is not talking about that. That is talking about the gift of tongues operating in the context of a church, continual worship or the in the service. That's that's talking about how tongues operate, how the gifts operate in the context of a service, in the context of of church, a church service or the gathering. That's what that no 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 that had nothing to do with the initial gift. That has nothing to do with that. Those two different things. That's dealing with it in the continual operation of the gift. How does it look and how does it operate afterwards? Well, there's a cri- there. God actually laid down some criteria. You read that in the epistles of, of Corinthians. You read that. But when it comes to salvation and figuring that stuff out, no, no, no. You go to the book of Acts to, to figure that out. That's where you go. The, his- that, the, the history of the very first church, that's what you do. When you get to Corinthians, the church is already established. Paul's got to teach how God through Paul is teaching how the gifts are supposed to operate so that there's order in his house and you don't have chaos. Don't let people mislead you. Don't accept the salvation as different than what the word says. He laid it out. What happened in the book of Acts should be, that's what you look for. You look for that. Don't look for anything else. Look just for that. I know that some of you, when you listen to this, you you don't necessarily like that and you don't necessarily agree with it. But here's the thing. I didn't agree with it at first either. But I asked God to reveal truth. God, show the word, make it, make it plain. And as I went on and began to study the word and read the word, I began to see very plainly. The bottom line is, is this, whatever the Lord tells you, you got to do, don't innovate on that. Don't remix it. Don't rewrite it. Don't redo it. And don't rearrange it. Leave it just the way he said it. If he says, except the man be born of the water and of the spirit, he's not going to see the kingdom of heaven and he's not getting in. Uh, don't come up with no doctrine and no teaching that allows people to say, you know, hey, you don't need to be water baptized and you don't need to be this, that. And you don't, now hold on. Don't, don't let the devil talk you into making, making those kinds of just r- ridiculous rookie mistakes. Don't. I'm, I'm going to give you some advice here. And we didn't even get to what we were going to talk about. But, at, but we'll do that in the, in, the ne- in the next lesson. Lord, obviously, it's going to be a four-part lesson. <laughs> Amen. That's okay. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. 
But let me give you some advice. This is the advice that I had to get as a youngster. At a certain point, I began to, on this journey in my, um, of biblical education and studying the doctrine and studying all of these different things and so on and so forth. And there was a time where at a certain point, you know, I, you know, that my understanding, I, I, you know, I thought that, look, and I'm not talking negatively against, you know, um, Bible school or anything like that. So don't, don't, don't take that. So I'm going to add some, I'm at, but I am going to add some context to this. Okay. Or whatnot, but, but, but without context at, in, at, at an early age for, for this, I, I really had a, a misunderstanding of, of these, of, um, of the role that, that Bible college and other things, they actually actually play in the larger in the larger scheme of, of of things and then you know because what i did not realize uh, see and initially when people are teaching you you assume that what they're teaching you that they're the ex expert that they are the teacher they're this but when it comes to the word of god you, that you, a teacher must be led by the holy ghost if 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 the a teacher is not led by the holy ghost okay then 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 he might get close they might do okay but they're gonna derail they're gonna go they're gonna start off-roading at a certain point and if you are and if you and if you trust so so blindly in that you are going to be messed up in the book of acts i believe there is a, a instance where paul is dealing with the uh, a group of people that are known as the bereans okay um if I'm getting their name correctly. And I just want to bottom line this part, but Paul called this group more, called them honorable. And he said they were more honorable. He gave them the title of honorable. And, he, and because the Bible says that they searched the scriptures to see if the things that Paul was talking about were true. In other words, they didn't just, now, Paul, from our understanding, wrote just about two-thirds of the New Testament. God used him to do all that. And you would think that, yes, you know, oh, you can just pretty much trust Paul and so on and so forth. But Paul was a human just like the rest of us. And he had faults and he had errors. And he was only able to write as he was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. Still, the people that listened to Paul did not just take what Paul said, hook, line, and sinker. They took it and they lined it up to the word. And Paul said, called them more honorable than others. Why? Because they searched the scripture to see if it was true. Now, go. some people make the mistake, and I was on the verge of making the mistake, of just accepting what, who I thought were my spiritual teachers, not all of them, certain ones, you know, and, and taking the information that they themselves have been taught. Now, they weren't malicious and they weren't trying to deceive, but they were just simply giving what they have been given. But, you know, sometimes people get into a routine of passing on a thing on and on and on, but nobody ever stops to think about why they're doing it in the first place. Should we even do this? Is this a good thing to do? It just becomes a tradition. And, not, and some traditions, the meanings behind them are lost. And so even in biblical academia, or whatnot, a lot of the stuff that they come up with, there's no meaning. There's nothing behind it or where it came from. Let me put it to you like this. Where, where it came from can get lost. You don't know what the person was thinking. It's just repeated to you. Then you handed somebody else. Then they handed somebody else. And they had, and so on and so forth. So you get information. It's possible to get information where you don't really even have no content. It's like, what is going on? Has anybody checked this? Has anybody overlooked this? Has anybody audited this? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Since we go into the tax season, has anyone audited this information? Has anyone really gone in and looked at where this came from? Should this be a thing that we're doing? Is this really what God is saying? So on and so forth. And so early on, I didn't, you know, there was a point where I didn't do, I didn't, I, I, I didn't do that at first. And I was taking information as it was given to me. But then something began to happen. 
I began to become unsatisfied. I began to have this lingering thought as I took what was said and I lined it up with the things that were done, something was missing. But everybody around, for the most part, believed like I had believed at that time. And I couldn't find anybody to explain. So I had to do like the Bereans. I had to search the scripture. And I had to humble myself. I said, Lord Jesus, I want truth. I want truth. And if that means throwing out everything that I had, all of my concepts, all of my ideas, didn't Paul say everything that he had before he counted it as loss? I had to say, God, listen, I want to be right. I don't want to be, listen, I don't want to be self-righteous. I want to be right. I want to be righteous, not self-righteous. So if what I have is not what you have said or is not what it is, Lord, I'm a blank slate. Rewrite me. Rewrite my understanding. Rewrite my attitude. If I got it and it ain't right, throw it out. God, Lord, I'm letting it go. Pull all of it out. And you speak it plain to me. And that's what he did. He began to speak it plain. And if this, and as he began to speak it plain, this simple truth emerged that I thought I knew and I thought I was doing, but I did not realize that I was doing it with my own overlay and my own ideology and all that other kind of stuff. And I'm going to share it with you. This is what I want to pass on you, on to you. Whatever Jesus says, do. you got to do whatever Jesus says you need or you have to have you got to have it whatever God says he does not like he don't like it I know that's improper. He don't like it. He does not like it. Whatever God says, he is not okay with. He's not okay with. And it was just that simple. It was, it's just that simple. There was a point in the scripture where Paul was being challenged. And um, and I'm going to take this concept and um, and uh, and I'm going to use a portion uh, of it. Uh, because I think it will I think it will add some context in Acts chapter 26 look at verse 24 okay um, and Paul is, is, is before Festus and he's given an account and now um Festus um is speaking 
And there's a dialogue that happens. Festus, you can imagine, and in this case, I want you to kind of put yourself a, a little bit in Festus's, uh, um, in Festus's uh, shoes, okay? Um, because Paul is 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 being uh, is is being tried here, um, in a, in a, in a way here, and I want you to think about that. But 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 Acts twenty six and twenty four, Festus says this in response to to Paul, okay? Um, um, he says, and he said, and as he thus spake for himself, for himself rather. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice. So Paul was speaking. And then, and after listening to all the stuff that Paul was talking about, and it's very fascinating, Festus interrupts him, yells out. <laughs> and he says with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. In other words, that was to say, so Paul, you, 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 you're, you're insane. You're going mad. That's really what he was saying there. And he said, much learning doth make thee mad. Man, he said, much learning doth make thee mad. Or in other words, makes you insane, has made you crazy is basically what he was saying. Now, Paul went on to say, but he said, I am not mad or crazy, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. And he goes on to, and he continues on. But that verse 24, that, 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 um, that phrase, in this case, Festus was wrong. Okay. Paul was not mad. He was not crazy, nor was he insane, but he was, <laughs> listen, but he was inspired my goodness, by the spirit of God. Paul, Paul was on, on point. But nevertheless, the statement of Festus does reveal a problem that can actually occur with much learning if you're not careful. It didn't occur in, Festus thought it had occurred in Paul's state, but it hadn't. And Paul knew that it had not because Paul was much in line with the spirit of God. But nevertheless, if he had not been in line with the spirit of God or whatnot, listen, Festus said, you know, look, all this studying, all this learning, all this kind of stuff, it has made you mad. It's made you bonkers. Man, you're going, you're, you, you, you've gone, you're going too far. Praise God, that wasn't Paul's case. But the reality is, is that, but there is truth in that statement. Because many of people, and if you're not careful, and this is why I'm bringing it up. This is why I am bringing it up. If you are not careful, and, and meaning you are not led by the Holy Spirit, you do not have God talking and explaining these things to you, you can spend, you can do so much learning of the word of God and all this kind of stuff. But if you don't have the spirit of God, that's why you got to have the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the spirit of God making it plain and giving you balance, man, you will get out of control. You can go too far very quickly, even in the studying of the word of God, if you are not led by the Holy Ghost. You will come up with interpretations and understandings and mindsets that are contrary to the word of God. I had done all of that studying. But now I was at a point where I was like, well, wait a minute. Something is missing. If I had kept going beyond that point where I just completely dismissed the fact that something was missing and I never pursued that which was missing, if I had continued on with the way that I was going, I would have went in my own way, in my own direction, and I would have come up with my own interpretation. 
And I'm sharing this with you because somebody is in danger of doing that very thing. You have got to seek what is missing. And what is it that is missing? The Holy Ghost. You are leaning to your own understanding to try to understand and interpret that which is spiritual. You can't do this without God. It's just simply not designed to work that way. And so when I pursued God, when I pursued that which was missing, because something was missing, I had been given all this stuff and, and I, and, and, you know, and it was like, wait a minute, something's not right. Something's not right. And what was missing when I pursued that, when I, when as I, when I got To the point where I just pursued God. I didn't want man's overlay. I didn't want, a, I, I, listen, I don't, I don't want your theory. I don't want your schooling. I don't want any of that. I didn't want any, I'm not saying this stuff now, no value. But at that point, you know, I didn't, I needed something. I needed a strong foundation so that I could be able to pick and pull through the things that were not good. So I could discern what was good and what wasn't of these other things, because there are some things that's okay but there's a lot of stuff that is not. And you must not substitute God's doctrine, God's way for man's doctrine. You must not do this. And a lot of that stuff in a lot of this schooling, so-called biblical schooling and all that other kind of stuff or whatever else it is, that's man's doctrine. But Proverbs tells us very plainly, the Lord said, behold, I give you good doctrine. One doctrine, not doctrines, one doctrine. That simply means he gives his way. That's talking about his way, his subject, what he teaches. And if you're not, if you don't listen, if you don't, if you don't, you got to get to the basics, beloved. You got to go back to the, to the basics. The very, very elementary basic, the, the so basic that the, the so basic that it becomes as simple as, hey, whatever the Lord said, do, that's what I got to do. Don't innovate. Don't overthink it. Don't go too far. Don't start trying to get deep. Forget all that. The depth of the word is in its simplicity. <laughs> that's really, now that'll throw you for a loop, but that's what it is. The depth of God's word is actually in its simplicity. A lot of people, they're like, oh, I got to come up with this doctrinal this, and I got to go all of here and all of there. And it's because of the this and the, da, 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 and y'all oh, come on, man, get out, get out of here with that. The depth is in the simplicity. The word of God is supposed to be so simple that even a child can understand it. Why? Because Jesus said, don't forbid the children to come. Such is the kingdom of heaven. He said, suffer them to come. Because your innocence has to be childlike. A child accepts things on the ground of you said, this is what it is. So they believe it. That's what it is. That's what it has to be for us. on this journey in the word of God and walking with God. Do what he says. You want a fresh start? You want a second chance? Do what he says. You want to really maximize that fresh start that he's given you? You want to maximize that second chance that he's given you? What are you going to do different with this second chance? What are you going to do different with this fresh start? I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it should be. Now you're going to just simply do what he said do. 
on the strength that he said it. Don't innovate on it. Don't try to fix it. He already thought it up. Just follow it. Just believe it. Believe what he says. That's all you got to do. Brothers and sisters, that's all the time we have for today. Thought this was going to be the last one. Obviously, it is not. We will actually pick up and make progress in the next one. But this is what the Lord had for us today. And I pray that it is a blessing to you and that you are going to walk away and be inspired to just go back to the basics. Just do what the word says do. Accept it on the strength that he said do it. You don't have to under, You don't have to break it down. You don't have to understand it. When he wants you to understand it, he'll explain that. He will impart that in time. But but you set yourself to of the of set your mind and your attitude and your heart to be obedient on the strength that he said do it. Salvation and all of these things. Don't try to rewrite the process. Don't come up with your own process. Don't and don't add to the process. You Acts chapter two verse thirty six. All you got to do is follow the process. But be careful of your own ideas because in Acts chapter 26, 24, yeah, Festus was wrong in that case about Paul, but the truth of that statement does ring out because it is many people are victimized by it, especially so-called believers on a daily basis. Much study, much learning has made you mad. It's become an exercise of academia, a very, a very academic exercise, devoid of the spirit. But the Lord said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. He even goes so far to tell us that, guess what? The letter kills, but the spirit maketh alive. God bless you. That's all the time we have for today. We will pick it up in um, with number four in this lesson on next week. God willing, God bless you all until next time. Wow.